Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world with the good news. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from yesterday's message in our current In the Word series as we journey through the book of Colossians. Let's take a listen. As a former coach, I used to love to coach basketball and football. And my favorite time of the game was right before it started. Is when we we're in the locker room and you know, you're rallying all the troops You're getting everybody together on the same page. And just for that brief moment, you're forgetting everything of last week. You're forgetting about whatever bickering was going on on the team. You're forgetting about anything that has happened in the past. And the object of that talk, the purpose of that rallying is so that when you dismiss from that locker room, you hit the court, you hit the field with one mission, And that is to defeat the enemy. And you see, that's kind of where Paul is at in Colossians chapter two. It's kind of a time where he is calling for unity. He's wanting to get everybody on the same page because he knows that they are in a battle. He knows that as the church, that they are in a war, that they are in a struggle. And Paul's desire and Paul's passion is for them to leave the locker room, if you would, all united on the same team. And so we see all through the scriptures that unity is addressed. We see even from the Old Testament all the way into the New Testament, we see that constantly we hear about the importance of unity. And the reason that Paul was so passionate about the unity is because he knew of the danger in the division. Because it's just as we've been talking the last several weeks, we know that if the enemy can't stop the church from the outside, he's gonna do everything he can to get on the inside. And that's exactly what's happened in the church at Colossae right now is the church is growing. People are coming from everywhere. They're wanting to see what's going on, but with all of that is coming also a lot of different opinions and a lot of different perspectives. And so the enemy knows that he hasn't stopped the growth of the church from the outside. So he knows if he can work his way on the inside, and that's what we're seeing is in Colossae, in the church, there's a lot of false teachings that are taking place because they're wanting to take the eyes off of the whole reason that they're unified as a body of believers anyway. And the church at Colossae is beginning to question all of these things about Jesus, all of the things about the gospel. And so I want us to look at that today, look at the idea of unity and look at the idea and understand of the importance. And a lot of times, what will have to happen in order to create unity? Colossians chapter two, and I wish I could say that we're gonna finish chapter two today. We're gonna make it through verse three. Sorry, that's about it. But Colossians chapter two, and I want you to read with me in verses one 
through three. Paul writes this. He says, for I want you to know a great struggle that I have on your behalf and for those who are in Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery. That is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all of the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge. You know, as I was reading this this week, something really caught me off guard in the very beginning, because if you remember this letter is to the church at Colossae, to the Colossians, that's who this letter is to. So why in the very first verse of chapter two, does Paul mention another church? He mentions the church at Laodicea. And what I found is in my study is trying to figure out why in the world did he start talking about another church when he's writing a letter to this church? And what I begin to notice in that study is Paul, we're gonna find out, we're gonna step into Paul's prayer life again today. And I don't know about you, but Paul's prayer life intimidates me and convicts me because I see where my prayer life is not very good. But what he is so burdened about is all of the things that he is seeing going on in the, in, in the Colossian church are leading them down the same path that Laodicea has been found on. And then the way we find that out is what we find out, you say, well, what path is that? What's going on in Laodicea? In Revelations chapter three, you don't have to turn there for the sake of time. I'll read it right quick. But Jesus is talking to the church at Laodicea. And here's what he says. He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, and I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I can kind of see why Paul doesn't want the Colossian church to go that direction. Because what has happened in Laodicea is they've lost the focus of who Jesus is. They've taken their eyes off of Christ. And because of them taking their eyes off of Christ, they have gone from being an effective church to a lukewarm church who is really not being used at all. And so that's where Paul would even say, or Jesus would even say here, I'd rather you be hot or cold because you kind of in the middle, you lukewarm people, you do nothing but confuse everybody. So I would rather just people look at you and say, you know what? They're living like the devil or they're living like Jesus. But we're right here in the middle, this lukewarm area. I claim to be a Christ follower, but nothing in my life is showing it. The problem in that is that is sowing so much confusion and so much discord in our world that we claim to be Christians on Facebook, but boy, our life don't show it. And what that does is that causes the church, the big C church, to be ineffective for the gospel because a lost world wants nothing to do with it because we're confusing them. And so Paul is so burdened about that that he doesn't want to see the same thing happen in Colossae that's happened in Laodicea. He is so burdened about it that he doesn't want to see this effective church become ineffective. And so he's calling for unity. He's calling for them to come back under the banner of the gospel of who Jesus is to make it all about Jesus again. But we see how burdened he was. 
Here's where we step into the prayer life of Paul. In verse one there, he says that I struggle. Because of you, I struggle. That struggle that he's talking about is his prayer life. When we talk about that word struggle, that is a word that I know that we use a lot, but I think you gotta understand where that word's coming from. When we look at the word struggle, it comes from a Greek word and the word is agone, A-G-O-N-E. I don't even know if that's how to pronounce it, but it sounds right. Hmm? I grew up, you just say it how it looks, right? North Hall, that's how they teach us. But what that was, is that was a place. That was an arena where all of the Greek athletes would gather together in an arena of war. And so it was an arena full of misery. It was an arena full of pain, but it's where they entered into this battlefield for competition. And it's where we get our word agony from. That there's a physical struggle, there's emotional struggle that comes along with all of that. But what Paul is saying when he says that I struggle because of you, he is saying, I love the church enough, I love my Savior enough that I am going to enter into this arena, this battlefield of prayer on behalf of the church. I'm gonna get on my face before an almighty God and I am gonna do war with the enemy because I want to see the church win. Here's the question. When is the last time we have prayed for the church like Paul prayed for the church? When is the last time that we have been in agony? When is the last time that we have entered into this arena of battle in prayer for the church? And look, I'm not talking about just this church because you do understand that there's a lot more churches meeting right now than just Chestnut Mountain Church. But you see what the enemy wants us to do is he wants us to think everything revolves around what happens in here. When is the last time you have prayed for another church besides this church? When is the last time you have took another church's name before the throne room of God and you have agonized on their behalf? When is the last time you have begged God, God, don't only send revival here, but send it to the church that's three miles down the road. Send it to the church that's 15 miles down the road. Because the beauty is when revival happens in the church, the kingdom wins. It doesn't matter denominations. It doesn't matter locations. It doesn't matter what cities, but it's all about the gospel of who Jesus Christ is. That's what we've got to get back to doing is agonizing on behalf of the big church. So what if we can't agree on every little nook and cranny of theology? If it's not a heaven or hell issue, let's get over it. If it's not a heaven or hell issue, let's get back to it being all about Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the one who saves. That's it. It's that simple. So when's the last time you have been in agony for the church? When is the last time you have struggled on behalf of, of church names, of church leaders? And when's the last time you've been in agony and prayed for the sheep that make up the church? When is the last time that you struggled the way Paul struggled? 
That's how much he loved the church. And so if you hear nothing else that we say today, in your prayer time this week, pray for the church. Pray for the church. Yeah, you can pray for Chestnut Mountain. Pray for our leadership. But pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ who are sitting on your right and your left. But then also, pray for other churches. Whatever church God lays on your heart, you pray for them. You pray for them. And so as you pray this week, I know that we're all gonna pray different things because God's, the Holy Spirit's gonna prompt you to pray specifically certain things that you know. But what I love to do is look at what Paul specifically prayed. And here's kind of where we kind of hone all this in into unity. Here's where Paul really turns the focus into the church being unified. And yes, he is specifically talking about the church at Colossae. He wants all this division, all of this, whatever's being taught in there, he wants it all to be forgotten about. He wants to leave all the mishaps in the background so that they can leave the locker room together in one accord so that they can fight the enemy. And so let's look at what Paul prayed. He prayed and we see it there in verse two. He prayed that their hearts may be encouraged in having been knit together in love. He's praying that the church would be encouraged, but he's also praying that they would be knitted together in love. And what we're gonna find out in just a moment, the more we look and study into this, if we encourage one another, the product of that is that we are knitted together in love. Because that word encourage, I'm guilty of throwing that word around a lot. Some of you will reach out to me and I'll say, thank you so much for encouraging me. Appreciate that. I'll keep doing that. But what I got convicted of is when we look at what Paul prays that the church may be encouraged, that phrase is what we've got to break down. Not just the word encouraged, but that phrase may be encouraged literally means that Paul is praying that he's calling all of us together to come beside one another that we're not just gonna pat each other on the back, we're not just gonna extend a handshake, but when he calls us that we would come together and be encouraged, it means that we are coming together as one, that we are rubbing shoulders together, that we are being united, that we're not just waving at each other from a distance, but it means that we're gonna get close and we're gonna do life together. And Paul is wanting them to understand, look, in the midst of this battle, in the midst of what the enemy's trying to divide you, if you as a church can get over yourself, if you as an individual can get over your past and just come alongside your brother and sister in Christ, you'll be strengthened. You will be strengthened. And so Paul is praying that we, that we may be encouraged. And what I love is even look, studying deeper and deeper is, he knew that if we encourage one another, that what comes out of that is comfort. To the point that some translations even have it where Paul prayed that the church would be comforted rather than encouraged. But you see, when we as a body of believers come together, I don't know about you, but I don't wanna go to war by myself. But if God can send me to war with a troop to my right and to my left, there's comfort in that. There's strength in that. There's courage in that. 
Because God did not create us to go to battle alone. God created us to come alongside one another that we may be encouraged and that we may fight together. That we may come together because in that comes comfort. Now, something that absolutely blew my mind this week is this. In the Gospel of John, there's six different times that Jesus is speaking to the disciples, that he's speaking to those who he's teaching. And what Jesus is talking about is he's encouraging them, there's that word, that the Holy Spirit is coming to comfort them. When we take that word, may be encouraged, and we kind of parallel it with the language that Jesus is using in reference to the Holy Spirit coming alongside the believers. Do you understand it's the very same language? So for you and me, I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit. I am so thankful for the comfort that is provided through the Holy Spirit. I am so thankful for the security that is provided through the Holy Spirit. But what we have to understand is the level that this almighty God is calling us to come alongside to encourage one another. He wants us to encourage one another and comfort one another the same way the Holy Spirit comforts us. Oh, that's impactful. That's a relationship. That is what unity looks like. That is what power looks like. That God is calling us as the church that we may encourage, that we may come alongside one another and that we may hold each other's arms up when we don't wanna fight anymore. That we may be encouraged. Now for me, I'm a pretty practical guy, okay? If you've been around me, you know that. So on Tuesday morning, if you know, that's kind of my study day. That's the day I sort of lock up and try to stay away from people and, and I just study. And I was really wrestling with this maybe encouraged idea. God, what is, what is it necessary? What's the practical approach to be encouraged? How do we encourage one another? What's the practical side of that? And so I was doing my morning, I don't even call it working out anymore. It's like this, I'm doing this whole try not to get old thing. And so I was in my driveway and if I would like to say that I was really running, but I was running to the end of my driveway. And if you know anything about my driveway, it's only like 40 feet long. So whew, I'd got to the end and it was time to stop. Okay. But I got to the end of my driveway when I was about to turn and walk back to the house. I just heard this awful commotion coming from across the street at our neighbor's house. And it was just this big old bang up against their house. I began to hear the leaves and the, and the trees ruffle. And I was going, what in the world is that? So I was that creeper neighbor that's kind of like, are they fighting? You know, cause I'm about to witness something, you know, get your phone out and let's, this is gonna be on YouTube. But I remember watching and I was sitting there going, what in the world is that noise? What has happened? And then all of a sudden I looked in the front flower bed that was in front of their house and I, and I saw exactly what had happened. This crow had attacked this little dove. This crow had literally rammed this dove up against the house and they both fell in the flower bed together. And this little dove was doing everything he could to get away from this crow. He was limping along, he was dragging his wing and it was pitiful. And I'm just sitting there watching this whole thing happen. And look, I'm a deer hunter. So that kind of stuff don't really bother me, but man, it was hard to watch. 
Because this crow just kept pounding this little wounded dove. And this little thing's trying to drag his arm or he don't have an arm, but his wing. And he's doing everything he can to get away. And as I was sitting there watching that, as if that was not sad enough, what I watched next was one of the most, well, one of the saddest things I've ever seen. As this crow is pounding this wounded dove, I looked over in the side of the flower bed that was off to the left side of the house and there was another dove just watching this whole thing happen. And I'm still sitting there trying to make sense of this because I've been wrestling with that we may be encouraged, that we may come alongside one another. And as I'm walking back to the driveway and look, I had somebody already tell me, how'd the story end? I don't know, I quit watching. The poor little guy's probably dead. But what the Holy Spirit revealed to me is that what I witnessed with this wounded dove being attacked by the crow and this other little dove off to the side is the very thing that Paul is praying against. Because what happens is we as the church we watch our brothers and sisters in Christ stumble. We watch them attacked by the enemy. We watch them limping through life. We watch them relapse. We watch them struggle in their marriage. We watch them struggle in their, in their children's lives. We watch all of them just stumble through life. And what we do as the church, instead of linking arms with them, we stand over here in the flower bed and we watch the whole thing happen. But what God has called us to do is he's called us that we may encourage one another, that we may get out of the flower bed and that we may go join our limping brother who is dragging himself through life instead of standing over here on the side because if we're just real honest, here's what we do. We stand over here and watch. I'm praying for you, my brother. I'm praying for you, my sister. Then if we're real spiritual, you know what we do then? We call another group of birds. Hey, y'all come here. Did y'all hear what's going on? Watch the enemy attack my brother or sister over there. Can you believe that? Let's just circle up and pray together. We ain't praying. That's our opportunity to talk about our wounded brother, but just put a spiritual hat on as we're doing it. But the bottom line is church, don't even pray about it if you're not gonna plan on doing something about it. When you see a brother or sister in Christ who's limping through life, who is struggling, who their marriage is falling apart, who their kids are living like hell, just for to be honest, instead of just saying, we're gonna pray for you, let's get out of the flower bed and go join them. Let's lock arms with them. Because here's what happens. If that dove would have just simply joined the battle, the crow would have left. If that dove would have simply joined the battle, that crow would have said, you know what? I can't handle this. I'm out. But church, what we gotta do is we gotta do exactly what Paul is praying for. We've gotta come alongside one another and encourage one another. But the question is, is how are we encouraging? How are we coming alongside one another? You know, when we say that, what's happening, I don't know if you've ever gone through a battle with a brother or sister in Christ. I don't know if you've ever locked arms with a brother and sister in Christ, that you've walked with them through maybe the darkest season of their life. But do you know what happens when we do? 
Our hearts are knitted together. There's some translations that actually use the word welded together. That's a pretty strong bond. But do you realize that that strong bond would not have happened if there wasn't a battle, if there wasn't a struggle? And so what we have to do as the church is we've got to learn to recognize that a lot of the struggles and battles that we walk through in life, God is simply working. It may not be how we want it to work. It may not look how we want it to look, but ultimately what God is trying to do is he is trying to knit our hearts together. He is trying to weld our hearts together because when we are welded together, we're stronger. When we're welded together, the body of believers is stronger. And so the struggles that we go through in life you realize that God is ultimately trying to knit our hearts together. And when he knits our hearts together, when we're welded together, we're stronger as a believer and we're stronger as a body. And that's what Paul's praying for in the Colossian church. Is he is struggling on behalf of the church saying, this division can't be happening. This church has gotta be unified this church has got to be welded and knitted together because when they are, they will be used for mighty things. I want to be a part of something like that. I want to be a part of something that is welded and knitted together where we're strong. Because here's the beauty in it. Here's what I want you to hear. That with growth comes strength. With strength comes power and with power comes influence. Now understand, I'm not talking about worldly power. I'm not talking about power in the way that the world would view it. But what I'm talking about is when the church is welded together, not just the family of Chestnut Mountain Church, but when we weld ourselves together with other churches, when we link arms with other churches, guess what happens? The big C church is stronger. The big C church has power. The big C church has influence. And the more powerful we are, the bigger the platform from the gospel is. The more influence we have. As the body increases, so does the influence. As the influence increases, so does the platform of the gospel. You see, Paul wants this for the church. Paul wants unity in the church. And I know I keep talking about the unity of the big C church and what breaks my heart now is that in the church world, in so many minds, that's a foreign concept because we've compartmentalized every little church as if they're on this island by themselves. And what God has called us to do here at Chestnut Mountain is when we see a church that's hurting, when we see a church that's limping along, when we see a church that's just trying to survive, we're not gonna be the dove over here in the corner that's just going, oh, we're gonna pray for you. That is the very reason that God has allowed us to, to link arms with a local church here. We've come alongside and guess what? We're stronger now. The kingdom is stronger now. And so we're praying. 
God, send us more churches to link arms with. No, we ain't going to change their name. No, we're not going to make a satellite. We're not going to, we're just going to strengthen and encourage them. We're going to come alongside of them and love them back to health. That's what God's calling us to do here. We're not going to stand around and just talk about it. We're going to be about it. You see, Paul wants the church to be unified. But in order for us to be unified, there's going to be seasons that we have to walk through attacks. In order for us to be unified, in order for our hearts to be encouraged, in order to be able to come alongside someone, we've got to have a reason for them to come alongside us. So when we go through tough times, when we go through struggles, I want you to learn to recognize that it is that God is trying to send somebody your way to knit your heart together, for your heart to be welded together. Because I can look back through my journey of life and I can look around this room today and I was overwhelmed just a moment ago in worship. Because of my two boys, Falling through with baptism today, I can look around and I can see people that God has placed in my life. And whether you believe it or not, there's a lot of different churches that are in this room right now. But you see, the people that are in this room right now that may not necessarily call Chestnut Mountain home, they get it because it's about celebrating new life. It's about celebrating from darkness to light. And church, that's okay. It's okay that you're not at your church home this morning because the reality is when we're in church, we're at home because we're with the brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what the church looks like. But I can look around this room and I can just see the people in my life who have had a fingerprint in my life And we don't even go to the same church anymore. But that's okay. Because the kingdom is still winning. The kingdom is still winning. But you see, when these attacks happen, when we're knitted together, when we encourage one another, we see the results in verses two and three that we've shared in Colossians chapter two, that our hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love and attaining to all wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery. That is Christ himself in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You see this gospel that it refers to as a mystery? Do you realize that God wants to use every single one of us? He wants to use the church at Colossae. He wants us to make this mystery clear to those who can't see it. 
And do you understand that we all, when we are unified, when we are connected, when we struggle through life, when we may be encouraged that our hearts are knitted together, you do realize that we experience the love of Christ through each other. We experience the love of Christ because we are loving the way that he loved. When we see a brother or sister in Christ who's limping along, who's wounded, who's being attacked by the enemy, when we join them, when we knit ourselves together with them, you realize that's what the Father in heaven did. He looked down upon us. He looked down upon a man and a woman and he watched them struggle and limp through life that they continued to have their failed attempts at living to please him. So he says, you know what? They can't do it. So what I'm gonna do, so I may encourage them, I'm gonna send my son to come alongside them. I'm gonna send my son to come and rub shoulders with them. I'm gonna send my son to do what they can't do on their own. And you realize when the church does that together, we're living like Christ. Then when we see someone hurting, let's stop watching and go to them. This is how we experience the love of Christ is that we live it out. We live it out in each other. So church, what are we doing today to encourage one another? What are we doing to come alongside one another so that the church may be stronger, so that the church may be welded and knitted together? Because when we encourage one another, when we knit ourselves together, we're showing Christ. We're showing Christ. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.